Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Y'all can have a seat. Again, really uh, excited to be with you guys today as we're closing out the series called Paper Tigers. If you have benefited from the series, would you just make some noise just to signify, like, this series has been good. Bryant started out talking about a few things, and we're wrapping up talking about uh, Paper Tigers. What we've, what we've addressed as Paper Tigers is basically the idea of there are things in life that seem scary. Uh, they seem like they have a lot of strength. They seem like they're going to overpower us. Uh, but if we're honest about it, if we look at it, uh, you can see uh, throughout life and throughout situations, like as you get closer to those things, they're actually not scary. Like they're actually like a paper tiger. There's a definition of a paper tiger. It's something that seems, uh, appears strong or fierce, but in reality being all show and no substance. Like, and for us, again, we go through life, there are things that seem scary. Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's a relationship. A lot of times you'll see someone, you're like, oh, man, like they seem really intimidating to me. And then as you get closer to them, as you understand more about them, as you have some truth around your heart and your mind about them, the situation, whatever it might be, uh, you can actually see it's not as scary as you thought. And for a lot of us, we went through uh, several weeks, we talked about different paper tigers, and, and we've heard and we've associated, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely a paper tiger, that thing is definitely, and today I think this is something that all of us struggle with, that all of us need some truth around our heart and mind with, and it's, it's the paper tiger of fear. Now I know even bringing that up, some of you would say, my fear, initial reaction, my fear feels like anything but a paper tiger. Like, I think the fear I have is real. And this is what we've talked about is a paper tiger is real, but it doesn't have the real power. And the thing that you're afraid of, uh, honestly, if we get around it and we put some truth around it, it generally isn't as scary as it seems. So like last night, I uh, foolishly watched a a trailer for a horror movie. Uh, Foolish because I knew some friends that went and saw this movie and I was like, I just want to watch this. I have like the fear threshold of like a nine-year-old. Okay, so I watched this movie, and then, no, no joke, I woke up at 3 in the morning afraid that the clown from It was coming into my house. And I'm like, I know it's not real, but even if it is real, it's not based in Florida. Like, it's not, and I'm like trying to convince myself. Y'all have been there. Don't laugh at me like I'm the only one. Right, like, and I try to convince myself. I'm trying to think through and focus on truth and think through things. I don't even think about, like, i got to talk tomorrow about this thing. Like, what am I supposed to talk about? What are the things I'm supposed to do? I'm trying to work through it. And, again, it's something that seems scary and and you've probably been there where you, you've woken up in the middle of the night about something that seems scary. And if you explain it to somebody else, they probably would say, that's kind of stupid. But for you, it's real. And in that moment, it's real. And honestly, it's not stupid. It seems very real. See, fear is it's an emotion. See, and like all of emotions, our emotions are gifts. See, I believe in creator God who made us and designed us with specific emotions, and emotions are good. And what happens with fear, fear works as an emotion, as like an alarm system in your life. 
Okay, like how many of you, you've been in a situation where something doesn't feel right, something feels weird, and then you step out of the situation, you're like, that's right, that thing was weird, that's why I felt that way. Put your hands up, that's been you, right? A whole bunch of us, we've been in situations, this a couple years ago, I was delivering pizzas as a part-time job, just trying to clean up some debt in our family's life, and I was delivering pizzas. You want to talk about creepy and weird situations? Go deliver pizzas up in the middle of nowhere, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, I think this address is right, and hopefully they know where I'm at. If they need to come find the body, I went to this one guy's house, and I, I walked in, and, and they, you knock on the door, and sometimes people would say, come in. I mean, like, nah. <laughs> like, I'm not coming in. You can come out. Like, I'm not coming in there. And so I wait, and they come in, and they you step in. So you step in, you hold your pizza. You're like, I just need the money. And this dude's sitting there playing, like, Nintendo 64 in his shorts, no shirt, He's like late 20s, living at home with mom. And instantly, I'm like, look around the house. Like, they got dolls everywhere. Like, I'm going to end up in some 60-minute special about serial killers who killed pizza delivery drivers. And I thought about it. And, and this is my philosophy with most of life is like, like I'm 6'1 and 200 pounds. Like, if you want me that bad, you can have me. Like, if you're going to try to wrestle me into your house, I have a brown belt on right now. My other belt is a black belt. Like, you can have me if you want me. You can get me. You can have me. But in this situation, I'm like, this is weird. It's uncomfortable. Spider sense is going off. Thankfully, nothing happened. I leave. That's a good time where an alarm system in your life is going off. But what happens with fear is you have alarm systems going off, and there's nothing causing those alarms. And you have, like, a friend of mine, and they say, I, I walk around the house. feel like, I should be worried about something. I'm walking around. I'm just anxious. I'm just worried about something. I'm trying to figure this out. And you go, what are you worried about? I have no idea. I just feel like I should be worried about something, and it's driving me nuts. See, fear is an emotion, and what fear is, is it perpetuated by thoughts of looming future loss. And fear has a cousin emotion that is just as powerful and is just as much of a paper tiger, and that's the, the emotion of anxiety. Now, if you don't struggle with anxiety, you know someone that struggles with anxiety. And here's what I tell all of us is, you do struggle with anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. Every single one of us do. You look to the statistics of our country. We are more anxious and increasingly more anxious all the time. My wife and I were at a Walmart. This is a couple months ago. And this dude in the aisle over us, we're in the bread aisle. He's like the next one over. He comes on on like a handheld PA system yelling stuff. And I'm like the first thought in my mind is like something's wrong. The only thing is he's trying to sell stuff for free back in the electronics area. He's just trying to get a crowd around to gather up for something, right? But like in that situation, how many of you would be there with me thinking, this is not good? This is scary. Why? Because we read the news. We see things of shootings and attacks. We're worried about our kids. We're worried about our future. We're worried about our aging parents. We're worried about our career. All of us, I would say, to some degree, struggle with anxiety. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone's struggle is the same, but all of us struggle with anxiety. And anxiety, it's also emotion. It's an, a present emotion of inner turmoil produced by the uncertainty of the future. And like, who of us doesn't have an uncertain future? Like, even if you have it all together, even if you did all the right things, like, you're still looking at things, you're still checking things out. All of us have an uncertain future. And, and even if you're, like, curious, like, do I struggle with anxiety on, like, a, like, I don't know, whatever you categorize, like, an official level, right? Like, like here's the deal. Like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to diagnose you on what you may or may not struggle with. I would encourage you, if you have questions, go and talk to doctors, people who know much more than I do about these things. And, and this is some of the, the side effects of, of anxiety, Things like headaches, muscle pain or tightness throughout the body, particularly the head, jaw, neck, shoulders, sleeplessness, chest pain, shortness of breath, feeling like you're going insane in the membrane. 
right? Like if you have any of those things, you just might struggle with anxiety, which again, though, who of us doesn't have those things? And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some letters that uh, God used people to write to his church to encourage them and direct them with anxiety specifically. But before we even get into that, what I wanted to say real quick is just acknowledge that I think by and large the church has kind of dropped the ball in dealing with anxiety and fear. And what we do a lot of times, and not center point, because I think we do a real good job going against this, but churches in general, Christianity, people of faith in general, is we say, if you struggle with fear and anxiety, something's wrong with you, you did something wrong. But can we just acknowledge there's something wrong with all of us? See, this is where, uh, if you look through the scriptures, it says that God created everything perfect, humanity turned away from God and broke everything. And everything means everything. So physically, mentally, emotionally, things that God intended for good, we have now broken in our lives, and they're not functioning as they should. So I want to walk real, real gently through this topic because this has been a source for some people. You deal with this, you struggle with this, and you felt shame and guilt from the church, and I don't want the church to ever be a place of shame and guilt. This should be the most life-giving place you ever encounter. We should be the most life-giving, joyful people you ever interact with. I want this to be the same thing. And if that's a church you want to be a part of, would you make some noise to show some people around that we care and we want to be welcoming to every kind of person? You guys can keep coming with that energy all day. We're going to have a good time today. Even though we're talking about something heavy, we can still have a good time. There's two letters we're going to look at. One was a guy named Peter. One was a guy named Paul. They wrote letters to the early, early church to help them deal with walking in faith and even help them deal with anxiety specifically. This is Peter's letter to the church. And I'll tell you, we always got it up here on the screen. You can follow along on the screen. But what I'd tell you too is you should write this stuff down. You should pull out your CC app, download it for free, get it, fill out the notes. That way you have it for later so you can go talk to someone so you can remember things because we remember things more when we write stuff down. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5. And if you're questioning, like, did Peter really get anxiety? Like, this is a couple thousand years ago. And here's the deal. If you look at Peter's life, I think Peter struggled with anxiety in a big way. See, even Peter is a guy, I think he's a huge argument for the legitimacy of Jesus's claims because before Jesus's death, Peter was a coward and ran away. And then some reason after Jesus died, after that weekend, Peter is now one of the most outspoken people we have talking about faith in the same city where they crucified Jesus. So look at the life of Peter, but then what happened is Peter then goes on the run for his life, and people are trying to kill him. So if you're curious about, man, like, did Peter have stuff going on? Peter wasn't worried about the clown from it coming in to get him in the middle of the night. He was worried about guards coming in to get him in the middle of the night and, like, legitimately worried about that. This is what he says. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. If you're over 55 in the room, say amen. There's more of you than over 55. Come on. We're a young church. We're not that young. If you're a parent in the house, say amen. Man, it's good. If you're young, submit yourselves to your elders. That's like Bible verse put on everything. Actually, the word here, submit, talks about yielding to one's admonition and advice. That's a smart thing to submit to your elders. All of you, doesn't matter your age, clothe yourselves in humility. You might say, I thought we were talking about anxiety and fear. Why are we talking about humility? Because that's a center and that's a start for what we're going to talk about. He says, clothe yourselves in humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but shows what? Shows favor to the humble. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if it says that God is against something, even if I'm not sure if I believe in God, and it says God's against that, I probably want to take a note of that and acknowledge, like, I probably shouldn't be for that thing, because if God is real, I don't want him against me. And this even is talking about military forces coming against you and really, really resisting you, pushing you away. But he shows favor to the humble. See, our humility will impact how God views us. When I have a proper view of myself, it affects how God views me. But we think a lot of times pride and being proud is all about I'm the best. Like I think I'm the best, I'm the, the greatest, I'm all these things. And here's the reality. Pride doesn't always just say I'm the best. Pride actually says I got this more than it says I'm the best. So I got, I can handle this. Whatever that thing is, that situation, I can handle that. Your relationships are on a slide. Your marriage is going through a rough patch. You know what? I can handle this. Don't talk to anybody about anything. We'll just keep this between you and me because we can handle this. You're schooling. You're going, man, like, I'm, like, going to fail out of school right now. Like, we just started, but I already feel like I'm behind stuff. I'm not going to go talk to anybody because I got this. Your finances, you're not going to try to get help with anything. You're just going to say, I got this. Don't worry about this. And what happens is when we say, I got this, we actually are taking on loads and taking things to carry that we were never meant to carry. Like you're not designed to carry the things you're trying to carry. So you, you take it and say, I'm going to handle this and I got this. And what happens is when you say, I got this, God says, you don't have this and I'm going to show you you don't have this. I'm going to just put my hand against you. And sooner or later, you're going to realize, I don't have this. So pride says, I got this. And humility says, I can't. The relationship thing that I'm working through, I can't fix it. Like this situation, for some of you, you need more humility with your car and your house because you try to fix everything and you're breaking things even worse, right? Don't elbow anybody near you, but we know it's true of a lot of us. Here's even the reality is you go into your, your relationships, your, your aging parents, your children, whatever it might be, your finances, your schooling, your house. You go, man, if I understand I don't have everything that I can safely say I can't, there's actually a lot of freedom in that because pride makes me the reason for everything. But here's the problem. If I'm the reason for everything, then I'm the reason for everything. So anything that good that happens, yeah, that's all good. That was me. I planned that. I predicted that. It's happening. But anything bad that happens is also on you. And that's where we start talking to ourselves and we start thinking things about ourselves and we begin to get fearful because if things don't work out the way I hope they would, it actually is going to fall apart and it's all my fault. So pride makes you the reason for everything, but really humility makes you untouchable if you think about it. So if it all does not depend on me, then it's not like I have a careless mentality, but like my marriage right now, like, man, if things aren't good in my marriage, I go, you know what? It all doesn't depend on me. You know, let's go, get some, let's go talk to someone. Let's go get some help. Like, I'm kind of untouchable. You come up and you attack me on something. You try to critique me on something. You try to bring something up against me that, like, it's not, hey, it's not all about me. You didn't like that thing. That's okay. Like, really, humility can make me untouchable. And if I understand truly that God is against proud people, but he shows favor to humble people, then naturally, smart people are going to humble themselves, aren't we? Three of us will. And, uh, hey, I just... Full disclaimer, I know we're all excited about football. Y'all excited about football? Okay, I'm happy that you weren't more excited about football than other things we're talking about today. That was a test. North Campus, you passed. South Campus, I don't know where you're at on this. But, man, we're going to have a good time. Again, this is why I always say this. We can have a good time in church. We don't got to wait to have a good time outside of church. This one says, if you're smart, which I hope you're smart, you will humble yourself. This is verse 6. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. 
And the problem with due time is it's not you time, right? But let's also be honest. How good of a judgment of time are you? How many of you this morning, don't raise your hands because you'd be embarrassed. How many of you burned your mouth on your coffee this morning? Or maybe not this morning, maybe yesterday or the day before that. Or how many of you, you made a Hot Pocket? And you know, you already raised your hands. And we're not like, here's the deal. You made a Hot Pocket and you're waiting and there's a line with Hot Pockets. It's like lava going to burn everything in the world good to eat and cold, nasty, right? And we're waiting and we cook it and it says to wait. And you're like, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. I can't wait anymore. And what do you do? You bite it and what do you say? Praise the name of the Lord. That's not what I say. You can't understand what I say because I just burnt my tongue so much, right? He's right. You can't figure out when you should eat a Hot Pocket, but somehow you think you should figure out when you should be lifted up. And you think you've put in the time. Here's the reality. For a lot of us, we don't understand. The place we want to get to is going to take a whole lot more work and a whole lot longer to get there than we want. And life is about the process of getting to places. It's not about just getting there. Because here's the reality. If you got to a place, some of us, we think we can handle things. You think you can handle it. You get to that place, you're going to see everything fall apart because you could not handle it. It's like my kids right now. If my five-year-old says she wants to pour her own orange juice, all the parents in the house know that's a bad idea but she can handle it. It's not time yet. And here's the reality for all of us. We gotta understand, it's not time yet. And then Peter gets into this message of anxiety. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now notice it doesn't say pretend you don't have anxiety. It doesn't say get your life together before you come to God and show him how good you are. It doesn't say anxiety is for people who have something wrong, so confess all your sins to God and he'll handle your anxiety. No, it says cast your anxiety on him. And why do you cast your anxiety? Because he cares for you. Because he's done something for you. See, because care must be shown to be known. You have to see it to believe it for most of us, right? And talk is cheap. So if God simply told us that he cares for us, we could understand and agree with that to a degree and say, oh yeah, I get that. But he didn't just say it, he showed it with his life. So even if you're here going, God's never cared for me. In the moments where I'm anxious about things, in the moments when I'm fearful of things, in the moments where like I'm up all night because I can't sleep because I'm so worried or, or I can't even get out of bed in the morning, like situations where I'm anxious and I'm scared, God's not in that moment caring for me. What I'd say is he, he's shown his care before and he's faithful and true to care for you right now. It might not look the same, but it's still there. See, the cross showed that he was capable of caring for us, and the grave being empty showed that he was powerful enough to care for us. And for us, we got to cast our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for us. And this is for all of us. We got to understand and acknowledge that we all have struggles. Don't we have struggles? Here's the reality. When I am open about my struggle, when I'm open about the thing I'm dealing with, it actually frees two people. It frees me and it frees people around us. And we need to be a church. We need to be a place that is welcoming and accessible and safe for whoever's struggling with whatever. Because one of the most powerful things that you can do to take down a stigma around whatever struggle is to openly admit you share in that struggle. You struggle with porn, you talk about struggling with porn, you're going to get freedom, someone else is going to get freedom. You struggle with your finances, you talk about struggle with your finances, you're going to get freedom, someone else is going to get freedom. You struggle with anxiety, mental illness, depression, whatever it might be, fear, you go and you bring that in and people are going to receive that and they're going to find freedom as you find freedom. But God says, give me your cares. It's too much for you. 
You're carrying something you were never designed to carry. And because God cares for you, you can cast your cares on him. The thing that you're anxious about, you can give it to him. I want to I be clear too. Even as we're talking today, I would say, I'm not saying that you won't have the presence of anxiety in your life. What I believe this is about is you won't be controlled by anxiety in your life. I think there's a difference. I think there's a, a due need for us to talk about how you might still wrestle with anxiety. We have a lot of people in our gathering, people I know personally, people in my family, they struggle with all sorts of mental illnesses and they're going to be like, this is prescribed. This is, I have all these, like, like, you're telling me I just can't have it anymore. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it doesn't control you. And the, the beautiful thing is we have people in our gathering, people in my family, people close to me that are walking in freedom, even in the midst of having anxiety and fear. And that's where the power of the gospel shows up. See, because a lot of times what we want to do is we just want God just to deliver us out of something. And God said, no, I'm going to actually deliver you through something. Because what's more powerful, having joy when everything's going good or having joy when everything's hitting the fan? And finding a place to have peace in the midst of that. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But before we do, this is what Jesus even taught us when he was on earth. He said, come to me, all you who are burdened all you who are tired, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Bring your burdens to me. I got this. You don't have the ability to carry this, but I do, so bring it to me. Because God already knows everything. So we use that sometimes. It's funny. We use that with like student ministry. Like God knows everything. He knows what you're doing on a Friday night, students. So don't do anything bad, right? And here's your like, God does know what you're doing on a Friday night, but God also knows what you're thinking right now. And we don't need to use that to scare people into obedience because scaring someone into obedience is not true love. And if I don't love God, that's the measure. It's not simply obeying God, it's loving God. Here's what we have to do is we have to help you understand. God knows the bad stuff that you've done. God also knows the bad stuff that's been done to you that causes you to think bad things. And God cares about all of that. And God says, bring it to me. But then, this is interesting. After Peter talks about anxiety, giving your cares to him. Then he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. Here's right. You know this is true. You see this. Anxiety clouds your thinking. Fear clouds your thinking. You don't think things clearly when you're scared, when you're anxious about things. And it's not just about that thing. It's about things in general. Right? I had this fear. It's totally like not rational, not logical. Rachel told me not to share it because she's like, people are going to think you have parent problems. Like you talk about letting kids walk on the street a couple weeks ago. You talk about, the, like, so I have this fear because uh, we got to go uh, to California this past year to visit some friends out there. We got to go to San Francisco, see the Golden Gate Bridge, which is awesome. You got to go to San Francisco. It's really cool there. And uh, we had our six month old with us. And I had this fear of like, what if I took her on the Golden Gate Bridge and tried to show her over the side and dropped her? Like, that's pretty scary. Now, here's your up. We didn't even walk on the Golden Gate Bridge. They probably got fences up on the side, so you can't even do that. But I have this fear. Here's, this is the reality. Like, last week, as I was going to bed, I got afraid of dropping her off the Golden Gate Bridge. Now, you can laugh at that because if you don't know, San Francisco and Tampa are not next to each other. We don't have a Golden Gate Bridge here. So it's literally impossible for me last Tuesday at 10.30 to drop my baby girl off the Golden Gate Bridge. But this fear became so real in my mind. Have you been there before? And you'd, say, and you'd tell people, and people would be like, that's crazy. Not as crazy as dropping a kid off the Golden Gate Bridge, but that's crazy. And when I have clear thinking, I'd say, yeah, that's crazy. 
But in that moment, it's anything but crazy. Also, this is something that is, that is powerful with this passage. It says, the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It does not say that he is devouring anybody. It does not say he's secured anybody. It doesn't mean that, does not say that he has power over you. It says he's walking around, making a lot of noise, scaring you, looking for you, trying to get you. And this is the powerful thing, is that he doesn't have you. And fear doesn't have to control you. And anxiety doesn't have to control you because the enemy, he's making a lot of noise, but he doesn't have power. See, talk is cheap and he's talking a lot. And Jesus says, I've showed you my love for you and I've showed you my power that I have over you. So don't trust the enemy. And what are we supposed to do? Because we align with Jesus says, resist him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to resist a lion if I see one. That seems kind of counterintuitive. I probably, if we were together, I probably, real, real talk, I'd trip you, push you down, and run away. You can have you for dinner, not me. I'm going to run because I'm 6'1 and 200 pounds, but that's small compared to a lion. Okay? So he says resist him. Why can we resist him? Because we stand firm in the faith. And it says because you know, this is something that you have to hold on to in the midst of fear and anxiety. This is interesting and powerful and useful for you. You know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You're not alone. Like, you feel alone. You feel like you're the only one walking through the season of life you're walking through. You feel like you're the only one that has experienced the problems in your marriage or problems in your home life. You feel like you're the only one walking through whatever the situation is. You feel alone, don't you? And what Peter is saying is don't buy into that lie. That's one of the things that the enemy is saying is that you are all alone. Because here's reality. He knows that if he can get you alone, he will get you. Even if you look at lions, like real life lions going out and, and seeking and hunting, they hunt in packs if they're hunting packs. But if they're hunting a single animal, they'll hunt it by itself. And this is something that's interesting. It says the most successful hunts, this is for lions, the most successful hunts are on dark nights in dense cover against a single prey animal. Does that sound at all like when fear and anxiety come knocking at your door? Like generally, like unless you have anxiety of being with a group of people, generally when you're with a big group of people is not when you're dealing with anxiety and fear. But it's when you're off by yourself. Again, everyone struggling through this is different. And you might say, dude, no, groups of people, that's my trigger. That's the worst thing for me. Like, and I'd say, well, then let's talk through that and let's help that not have control over you because we want to have Jesus have power and control over us, nothing else. And this is where community groups are so important. Because community groups give you a chance to be able to go and talk with people and interact with people and say, hey, we're struggling with this and being open about it. And then they're open with you and you guys work together. This is why the beginning of this passage, Peter starts with going to the elders. He says, go get some wisdom from some people who know more than you. This is why I love our community group. See, my wife and I, we host a group. We have about five other couples that are about our age. Uh, there's 14 adults total and there's like 1,500 kids because uh, we just keep having kids. Apparently, we like kids in our group, right? But here's the, the, the best part about our group. Well, maybe not the best part, because my wife's the best part of our group. But uh, second best part of our group is that we have six couples in their late 20s, early 30s that are getting together. And we have one couple who is about the age of our parents that came and joined our group with us. Their names are Rex and Cheryl. And they are probably in their, he's in his late 50s, she's in her 30s probably. Not for real, but you don't want to know what her age is, okay? That's not polite. And here's the deal. We're able to sit with them, and they'd be the first people to tell you, we don't know everything. 
And maybe the first we would tell you, we would hope that you learn from our mistakes because we've made a lot of mistakes. But we're able to sit down and talk through our group and just ask questions and interact and talk about things. And then we're able to, every once in a while, look over to this couple who is for us a source of wisdom and knowledge, even though they're like, we don't feel like we know everything. And they don't know everything, but they've been there and they've walked through this and they have the scars and they have the stories to share. They also have the same hope in the Savior that we do. And we're able to look at them and say, hey, what would you do in this situation? And they're able to offer advice and admonition. They're able to help us see, even though it feels like you're alone, even though it seems crazy right now, even though life is closing around, even though you're afraid and anxious about this thing, there is more to be known. And you can receive some wisdom and advice from people. This is why groups are so important. And if you're not in a group, that's why you got to get in a group. That's why you got to go after the service, go to the connect point, go to the after party, sign up. And, and we're launching new groups all the time. So go and sign up and say, I just want to be in this type. I'm looking for this type of group. This is where I want to get involved. Or this is how I want to get connected. And create space in your life to value community because it could be the most valuable thing in your life. So don't go it alone. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then he finishes with this. And this is where I love the real talk that Peter brings to this passage and to this church. Because we, we don't need to be fake about stuff. We don't have to have a mask up pretending we don't have fears and anxiety. We can come, we can present them to God. And then it says, after we suffer a while, in the grace, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. This is why we can celebrate a future and not just today. It's not all about today. It says, after you've suffered a little while, like sufferings are real and they're here. And paper tigers affect today, but they don't have to affect forever. It says, after you've suffered a little while, he will himself, this is God, restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the thing that is powerful. You have to know the promise of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the promise is the person. It is not just this place of heaven that we get to be in. It is a person. It is God's, and you get to be with God. The reason that God is so good, or the reason that heaven is so good is because God is there, and the person has the power to restore you, and he has all the power forever and ever and ever and ever. No one is excited about the power God has. That's okay. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He has all the power, and if he has all the power, then what power is left for your paper tiger of fear? It has the power you give it. Now, again, for some of us, you say, this feels like anything but a paper tiger. It's reality. It is real, but it doesn't have the real power. And you don't have to be dominated by that. It doesn't have to control you. It might still be there in your life, but it doesn't have to control you. So, so Peter's helping us understand that the fear, anxiety, pain that we have today is not going to derail God's plans and purposes for you forever because he has the power and his promises is himself and he will make it happen. And then Paul, another writer, writes to a church and says, this is how, practically how we deal with anxiety. This is his letter to the early church, which I think the early church, honestly, they probably have in some ways more things to be anxious about concerning faith than we do. Like, they, they were being thrown out of their social institutions. They were being thrown out of all situations. Like, like you identify with Jesus. In our country where we live in America, generally, you identify with Jesus. It doesn't cost you very much. The reality for them, they identify with Jesus. It costs them, for some of them, everything. So they're dealing with some anxiety. And this is what Paul says to them. You guys ready for this incredible 
Incredible word from the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything. We're done. We'll wrap it up. That's what the Bible says. So just read that in the morning when you're anxious. Pray a few times. You're good to go, right? No, and if you're reading it, you're like, like anything, anything? Like anything, anything, anything? Like my thing, like how is that even possible today? Paul, obviously you lived a couple thousand years ago. You don't know what it's like where I'm at today. But he says, don't be anxious about anything. And that's not really helpful, is it? And that's why he goes on and says, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Now, some of you are thinking like, I knew you were going to get to this point. Like, preachers are going to preach. You're a Bible guy. You're just going to talk about the Bible. You're just going to point us to pray and just pray about it. Pray your anxiety and fear away. I've tried that. It doesn't work. I'm praying more than ever, and it doesn't work. And you get frustrated because you've been told to pray. And this sounds really weird, but I don't think prayer is enough. That's why Peter told us to go get wisdom from people who have more wisdom than us. It's not just a you and God thing. The Christian faith is never just simply you and God in terms of showing love and expressing the grace you've been given. It's always you and others. And in terms of your healing and your help and you getting over some paper tigers you have, it's never just you and God. This is a constant theme. It's you and other people. So it's not simply pray, although prayer is massively important because here's reality. You can go, you can go to counseling. I think you should go to counseling. We have, even we're building a network of licensed mental health professionals that you can go, we can direct you to people to get counseling. You can change your diet, like friends of mine who they don't have caffeine or they don't have gluten or they don't have sugar because it affects and stirs up their anxiety and their fear. You can go into counseling, you can change your fitness routine, you can do all sorts of things. And here's the reality, you can change everything externally and not fix what's wrong inside. And some of you are there. And you're frustrated. And this is why we say pray, because prayer changes the inner man. Prayer changes what's inside, and prayer will move the heart of God. So it says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, thanksgiving grounds me into reality and grounds me into today. Because even when everything feels like it's falling apart, I can find something to be thankful for. And not in like a cheesy way. And some of you, it's going to be difficult to find something to be thankful for. But you can, and here's the reality, this actually has, for some of us, the power to not only change our life, but to save our life. Finding things that you can be thankful for, where you go, Man, I feel like there's nothing I have to, to be thankful I feel like nothing is going my way. I feel like everything is against me, working, doing the difficult work to find things to be thankful for. And I'd say for some of you, this is like your homework for today, write that stuff down. Even the thing that you're centered your anxiety and fear around, you start finding things to be thankful for around that situation. And that could change your life. Also, legitimately, it could save your life. It says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, the word here, present, is a Greek word. It's talking about solving the mystery. And I think in this context, talking about anxiety, it's saying, bring your request to God. Ask God to solve the mystery of your fear and your anxiety. Because you don't know what's causing it. I don't know what's causing it. But go to God and ask God to, to reveal to you and to show you the whole story so you can understand the whole thing of what's happening. Because for a lot of us, what happens is we're anxious about something up here and there's actually an underlining cause down here that you don't even know about. And it's not until you go and you get into counseling, you get someone that knows a little more than you do, and they begin talking to you about this, and they begin unearthing this stuff, and it's painful, and it's difficult. You have toxic stuff buried in your soul, and you're bringing it up to the surface. Like, I'll tell you straight up, it's not a fun time. But the work is worth it. 
Because the toxic stuff inside you is not just going to go away. It's going to stay there until you remove it, and you remove it through prayer and changing the inner person and bringing it to God. Now, for some of us, you push back and say, Justin, you don't know what it's like, though. Like, you don't know what it's like when, when I'm awake in the middle of the night where I can't sleep, where I'm anxious, where I can't even go to work, where I'm just frustrated about it. Like, you don't know what it's like, and I would tell you, I totally agree with you. I don't know what it's like, and that's why Paul didn't say to make your request known to me. He said, make your request known to God. Because again, God knows why you're anxious. God knows why that happened to you. God knows why you're struggling and dealing with things. God is here and God is able. Because again, the cross shows he's able to carry what you can't carry. And the empty grave shows that he's powerful enough to actually do it. So request, take your request to God. And then what happens when you do? You talk about them specifically. God will give you specific peace for things you talk to him specifically about. You go in here real vague, God help me with my fear, help me with my anxiety. Can I tell you straight up, that's not good enough. You gotta go deeper, you gotta go more more specific. When I'm anxious about this thing and try to discover this and get into counseling and have someone help you discover and then you bring that to God and you say, God, this is a mystery to me. I don't know why it's here. I hate having it here. Would you take it away? And God can take it away and God might not take it away. But here's the reality, God's character does not change based on how he treats you. His promises are still true about eternity. And even though I don't understand what's happening in the moment, I trust because he's shown me love through the cross. I trust him for eternity. And what happens is when I go and I give God my request, I try to seek his wisdom on the problem. He gives me his peace. This verse 7 says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense considering the circumstances. It's going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, we have to surround our hearts and minds with truth to combat against the enemy, to go against the paper tigers. Because the paper tigers are always going to seem real and powerful as long as we don't know about them fully. But once you begin to understand the situation, once you begin to know more what's going on, you actually can understand it and see it for what it is. See, when we moved down here a couple years ago, my mom was really concerned that gators just walk all over the city and gators just get people left and right. And if you moved out down here from somewhere else, you know what that's like. And my mom regularly is like, make sure the kids don't play in the backyard by themselves. I don't want them getting snatched up by gators. They're my favorite. You can go out there and get eaten by a gator all you want, but don't let those grandbabies get eaten. And here's the reality. I was a little afraid of gators when I got here too, but then once I got here and I lived here for a while, I saw gators are not just like roaming around the streets, driving cars and in office buildings and waiting to get me around every corner. There are areas where they are, and I stay away from those areas because I love Jesus and I'm smart. But surrounding some truth informed how I behaved in that situation. And for some of us, we have things in our life that we don't have enough truth around. And we need to surround our heart and our mind with truth. And then also, when we do, we bring that to God and we say, God, we need you. And then God says, I'm going to take your truth and I'm going to raise you some peace. And he gives us peace and it guards. And this is actually talking about standing guard over your heart and your mind. The reality is for a lot of us, we are trying to stand guard over our hearts and our minds ourselves. And we're asking God to change the situation, change the circumstance. If I was in a different situation, I would have peace. This is the reality. Circumstances don't determine what is inside of you. They only display it. If you don't have peace right now, you can change your circumstance. You still won't have peace. 
And if you have peace right now, you can change circumstances and you can still have peace. And that is where the power of God is on display because people walk through horrible situations and they still have peace. They still have hope. They still have a dream of a message of a hope that's found in Jesus that eternity will be okay. I will be with God based on everything he's done. I have that peace. And that's where people look at people around them and go, what is wrong with you? You're walking through hell and somehow your eyes are still fixed on heaven. And so we as believers get to be that kind of display of God's peace and love in our lives. And it says that it will guard our hearts and our minds against everything. The truth is some of us, we're we're too busy trying to guard our own hearts and minds and you're no match for the enemy. That's why it's not working. Now, the enemy doesn't have the real power, but he has more power than you. He's incredibly convincing to make you think that you don't have what it takes. And the reality is you don't have what it takes. And that's again where you humble yourself to God. He will show you favor. He will guard over you. He will stand watch and give you peace. And for a lot of us, I think like you hear that and you say, man, like that sounds so good. And my question for you is like, like do you want that peace? Because Paul was pretty clear on how to get it. Say, make your request, bring your request to God. So the question for you is, are you going to continue to say, I got this and trying to carry your own fear and anxiety? Trying to fix everything, be the reason for everything that's happening? Or are you going to look to God and say, I can't and cast your cares on the one who cares for you? And this is not a, a simply quick fix. Hey, you just do this thing, say that five times, leave here, you're not gonna deal with it anymore. You will still have the presence of fear and anxiety in your life, but you don't have to be controlled by them. And that is the beauty of the gospel is we are not controlled by anything unless we give it control over us. Because Christ has the power to set us free from everything. Because that's something you see throughout the New Testament, throughout the, the scriptures, you see people who walk with God walk in freedom. Because God gives them everything they need to be free. And I believe, and I hope you believe, when Jesus declared that who he sets free is free indeed, he actually meant it. Because that's all I got. So for you, whether you're in the house today, whether you're listening to this online, you're podcasting this, do you want that freedom? Do you want that peace? And will you go to God to solve the mystery of your fear and your anxiety? all over the house, South Campus, North Campus, would you all stand to your feet? I want you to pray as we close this series. And here's the reality. This is a prayer I would say a lot of us can be saying on a regular basis and thinking through this is simply, God, I need you to blank. And if you don't, I'm afraid that you fill that in. Like, God, I need you to take this thing because if I, if you don't fix my marriage, I'm afraid it's all going to fall apart. God, I need you to, to take this anger I have inside of me because if you don't do something with it, I'm afraid I'm going to become the worst version of myself that I know you have not called me to be. God, if you don't do something, I got nothing. And can I tell you the truth is that's a really hard spot to be, but it's also a really good spot to be because it's full self-awareness to understand you don't have this, but you know the one who does. And you can go to him and he is faithful and he will help. Out of respect for people around you, would you bow your head? 
just to show people respect because I'm going to ask people to respond in just a minute if they want to give God something that they're anxious about. And for some people, that lifting of their arm will be the most difficult thing you've done in regards to dealing with your fear and your anxiety. And I want to help you find a comfortable place. And this is the truth, again, as God has shown his care for you through the cross. And because he cares for you, you can cast your anxieties, your fear on him. So I'm going to ask all the people in our church at both campuses, if there is something that you know you're anxious of, something you know you're afraid of, would you just open up your hands and put your palms up to heaven? Just as symbol to say, yes, Jesus, I want to give it to you. You can put your hands up, people all over the place in the house. You can put your hands up. I'm going to pray for you because God is doing something. And this, for a lot of us, is the first step for God dealing with fear and anxiety in the most powerful way we've experienced. God, thank you so much that you are bigger than us and you are stronger than us. God, you are more powerful than us. God, we are afraid and we are anxious. And we want to tell the devil to get out. And we want to acknowledge he is seeking to devour us, but he will not have us. And God, we want to just look to you and trust that you are powerful enough and that you will care for us, God, and you will do something spectacular in us and through us as we walk with you in freedom over fear and anxiety. God, we want to acknowledge that whatever it is we're holding on to is not more powerful than you. And God, for everyone in the room that are lifting their hands, God, I pray that they would have wisdom on who to talk to and how to begin to surround their hearts and minds with truth and in turn receive your peace. God, thank you for the work you're doing in our family. God, thank you for how you called us to walk in a newness of life. God, I pray that we'll be able to look to you, that we'll be able to love you, and thank you so much for having all the power forever and ever. We love you, and it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate, and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.